T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! Swinging a line drive smash. Backhanded by Horner. Great play. Throws one hop to first. Got it. Sensational play by Nico Horner. A wicked one-hop line drive to the backhand side, short hopping no less. He gloved it cleanly. The force of the ball kind of staggered him a little bit. He spun and made a one-hop throw to first. Great, great play by Nico Horner. Wow. Wave and a miss on a slider. Strike three, and Dylan Cease again strikes out the side. He did it in the fourth. And he did it here in the fifth. Three and two. Strike three. I rest my case, El Jinxo. Yeah. Your case can go in the other booth. Get out of here. El Jinxo. I like it. Steve Stone, Jason Benetti on the call for Dylan Cease, who has been absolutely terrific. And before that, you heard Pat Hughes on the call about Nico Horner. Those are a couple players that we want to talk to um, Eno Saris about from The Athletic, and we will do so as soon as we get a chance to talk to Eno. He wrote about um, he wrote about Nico and how he has added power to the contact that he has always made, that the contact, it can't just be bad contact. It's got to be good contact, that they are not the same thing. And we see this with a lot of a lot of hitters out there. You wonder, hey, boy, it's great that David Fletcher and Stephen Kwan and Nick Madrigal have this incredible high contact rate above 90%. But if it's not hard contact, if it's not line drive style contact, it can be very, very misleading and not give you everything that you need as an offensive player. We may not have Eno, and if that's the case, we have some open phone lines at 312-644-6767. You can feel free to hop on in, and uh, we'll reschedule with Eno if something has gone awry. He's, uh, it's 9 a.m. out there on the West Coast, so um, who knows? You could be sleeping, parenting. There's many, many things that a man can do. Uh, so here's one thing I did want to talk about from his piece. And feel free to dial it up about Cub Sox or anything. MLB uh, at 312-644-6767. 
MLB All-Star Game coverage was really good from The Athletic, and there was a piece from Eno that I held on to that I'm still looking at right now. And it was a piece on the adjustments that great players had made that helped them become All-Stars. And it's, it's really good stuff. It's the kind of stuff that is absolutely vital to an understanding of the game. It is the kind of stuff that certain writers who love the quantifiable scouting and love the metrics can, but can also talk to people, are not afraid of conversation, <laughs> and they're socially gifted enough to actually have a conversation with a ball player. It can be incredibly valuable and vital for the baseball fan to understand some of this stuff. So the, he asked a whole bunch of all-stars, what was the adjustment that changed the moment that led to this day? And both Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander talked about something that I find myself thinking about in terms of Lucas Giolito a lot, and that's this, that they went to the four-seam fastball as opposed to throwing the two-seamer, that sinker, the four-seamer, the one that rises a little bit, the one that carries a little bit. If it's good enough and you throw it well enough and use uh, the right kind of sticky as well. But Garrett Cole said the four-seamer benefited me from a health perspective, from an efficiency perspective. It's easier to throw. And the same principles that make a good four-seamer are the same principles that make good curveballs, sliders, cutters, and breaking balls. Getting that pitch, being more efficient with it, so it costs me less on every rep, on every throw. It kind of made my repertoire what it is. So Garrett Cole went exclusively to the four-seamer when he got to Houston. And he says that the guy that helped him the most is the guy who plays for the Astros. His name is Justin. He helped me quite a bit. That Verlander and he had thrown in the outfield. And, and Verlander said, what was that? Throw that again. Justin Verlander in the same piece that he wrote. Everyone asked what changed when I went to Houston. Really, the only thing that changed besides having analytics-driven research showing the strengths and weakness, was that they said, your two-seamer is mediocre, your four-seamer is elite. Stop throwing your two-seamer. That's pretty simple. It was good timing, too. I just fixed my mechanics a month ago. And he says, this is Verlander. This is good stuff, right? It's fun. Verlander said he remembered playing catch with Garrett Cole in the outfield. They told him something similar. It was spring training. We were throwing. He threw a fastball high into my arm side. It really took over. He didn't like it because he thought he yanked it. Then he threw another over there and was pleased with it. It had some fade to it. I said, Garrett, that one, the first one was the good one. This one, not so much. And he got it. And he was off to the races. I take no credit in it except for being on the backside of it, telling him what was good. We had some great conversations, him and I, talking all game long about pitching. That's Verlander and Cole on what changed for them. And here's why I think of Giolito, because Giolito's career changed when he abandoned the two-seamer. He thoroughly abandoned him and said, you know what, I'm just going to throw my four-seamer and the change up with it, and maybe we'll just do that. And then we'll, you know, add stuff, subtract stuff from there, go off it. So he has abandoned the two-seamer. Sean, call up baseball savant for Giolito. See if he's still not throwing the two-seamer at all this year, if you would. You know how to scroll down there and check out the, the pitch repertoire. Because it worked for Giolito, too, because his four-seamer was great. But then if the four-seamer stops being truly great, then all of a sudden you're in a lot of trouble. You're in a lot of trouble because that's all you're throwing and you're trying everything to go off that. It's just not 
It's not quite good enough. Doesn't have that carry. Doesn't have that giddy up. So Giglio is throwing his four seam fastball nearly 48% of the time, mm-hmm. which isn't surprising, but he's throwing that change up and slider about 25 and 24% has stopped throwing that curveball. It's at maybe 3% right okay. now. And there's no two seamer even listed, No right? two seamer at this point. So exclusively four seamer, so, which makes sense. It helps the tunneling like you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But if it's not great, if all of a sudden it's not great, then you've got potential big, big problems. And that's what Giolito has dealt with sometimes. Last night, Lucas Giolito found a way to go seven innings, found a way to uh, to get there all the way through into the middle and, and past the middle innings, even though he was in trouble a lot early on. Trouble in the first, down 3-1 after the Eloy misplay in the second. Sox tie it up, but then he's back down 4-3 in the third. Eventually, Giolito got 13 of the last 14 batters he faced and came out of there looking pretty damn strong. Seven innings at 90-plus pitches for Lucas Giolito. But he's a guy who may have to think about about adjusting back and adding that two-seamer back in. 312-644-6767 is the phone number if you want to hop in on Hit and Run. Uh, shifting gears, Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline was on Marquee the other day. They did, they, what's the name of the show? That they, is it? Uh, Road to Wrigley. Road to Wrigley. And um, Jim Callis from, um, from MLB.com Pipeline, used to be with Baseball America, one of the most respected prospect voices in the game, was talking about players in the Cubs system and where they're going to be when the new Pipeline Top 100 comes out. And he said that the top Cubs prospect, and maybe the reason that the Mets would not deal uh, for Wilson Contreras, because they didn't want to get robbed again, is going to be Pete Crow Armstrong. I'm looking Pipeline here, number three. I think, Jim, you want to tease That's the list? An old list. Out, That's old an old list. list. Right, because I was going to say, I'm curious, yeah, as we talk about him, how this could change the yeah. rankings. He will be number one on our list oh. next week. How about Breaking you, Lance? Whoa. How about you, Lance? Oh, you you're not going to say that? I'm not going to say that. I think I'll I have two. I'll, I'll, I'll even get in trouble, but I will even oh, tell wow. you the new top 100 list. PCA will be number 31 on the new Love top it. 100 That's list. That's awesome. Wow. He was not on our list to begin with. All right, year. hold up. Can I just repeat that? You can. So you have number one on your list, Pete Crow Armstrong. Oh, top 100, he will be number 31. Number 31. So there's uh, Pete Crow Armstrong at number 31. And he, he goes on to talk about who the top four prospects in the Cubs system will be once the new MLB Top 100 comes out. On your screen. And these are old. There'll be some revisions there. We'll add some, some draft guys. Hold on. We're going to review the revisions. What's changed that you can tell us yeah, on this yeah. list? Well, I'll give another sneak preview. Oh, I'll keep giving away I all the secrets. Oh, i got to write this down, Jim. <laughs> I, I, I'm, as you guys know from what I've said tonight, I'm bullish on Kate Horton. So I, we're, we're, yes. we're, we're going three outfielders at the top of the list. And then Kate Horton, number four. Which number four? Davis well, Armstrong. Davis Armstrong. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to leave. Well, PCA we know is one. Yeah, I told you PCA. Yeah, I can't give away the whole list. I can't give away the whole list. Oh, I'm really writing this down. All right, PCA is your number one. Number well, third. Who else did you tell us? There was one other person. I said Kate Horton would be number four. Yeah. And I said Canario would be Canario. number seven. Canario. Canario has been on fire of late. There, there's a lot of prospects having some very good and productive seasons. And... It's going to be fun to watch uh, watch them all sort of arrive at the same time. Watch them all sort of be, you know, show up maybe in dribs and drabs 
Well, it was cool that show started in Canario. Literally, the show starts out. It's four games on the screen at the same time, and Canario hit a grand slam as they brought it in. So he's now leading. I think he's right there with the minors. I think he's got 28 home runs. He's close to leading the minors right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. The most home runs by anybody in the system um, at the big league level or the minor league level, anybody in terms of a year in the system. So cool. I know how much you love that stuff. Sean, you got a favorite guy a little further down the list of, uh, of prospects that you like to check out. My guy I've been watching right now is Cam Sanders. He's a, he's a starter. They're converting to a reliever. Now they've decided they're going to play his stuff up, but he just all of a sudden went from a 93, 94 guy to like triple digits in the last 18 months. So I'm excited for him. I think when we heard that caller today, talk about bullpen options, he's mm-hmm. a guy I think the Cubs are looking at and saying, Hey, if Cody Hoyer can't do it, maybe Sanders can be that closer. Mm-hmm. Sears and Spiegel, the catalog show as dubbed by uh, as dubbed by rich in old town. God, God bless you, Rich. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for being here. It's uh, Speaks with you here on 670 The Score on Hit and Run. When we come back, we're going to talk about a mystery that happened to the Field of Dreams that has now been solved, uh, at least for me. It was a mystery for me, and now it has been solved for me. We'll talk about that. And phone lines open for one more segment if you want to hop in at 312-644-6767. Anything Cubs, anything Sox related, or MLB as we're looking around at the uh, the whole league and some some great matchups coming up later today that we will tell you about. Chris Kampko will round out the show at the bottom of the hour here on 670 The Score. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel Sunday. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mornings on the score. The 1-2 is hit in the air. Deep right field. Aquino going back. He's at the track near the wall. Leaps. It's gone. Ian Happ with a three-run home run. Cubs break it open. 6-2 to two the lead over Cincinnati here in the seventh. Wait, Edwin Diaz is furious. Ian Happ doesn't get this music. Well, Shane Reardon just stole it earlier this week. Oh, yeah, it? that's right. He did it. Anybody can walk in. You know what this is? It's Eno Saris's music now. We welcome in Eno Saris from The Athletic. On the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Eno, good morning. We've talked a lot of Cubs. We've talked a lot of White Sox. We've talked a bunch of Jacob DeGrom. And now we get to talk to you. We've been looking forward to it. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So was detailing the piece you wrote at the All-Star break um, about the adjustments that the All-Stars had made that got them here. You and Zach Buchanan collaborated on it. I, I feel like it is the essence of what you do well, which is like either you come to the player with some of the quantifiable scouting stuff that you've figured out, or you follow the player's lead 
and take it to the numbers. It's uh, it, it, is that is that a fair way to describe um, one of your particular niches? If a man can have more than one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also sandwiches and beer, I guess. But, <laughs> right. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, I, I realized uh, early on, I used to write at Fangraphs and uh, you can sometimes get a little detached from the play on the field when you, you sort of experience the world first through the leaderboards at Fangraphs. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get, accredited by the Baseball Writers Association while I was at Fangraphs, and that really opened my eyes to just, like, what a resource the players are in terms of uh, the thoughts they have about the game, uh, the way they play it, uh, what's meaningful, what's not, what sort of adjustments um, are meaningful, what, you know, you know, and then just questions about how the game should be played uh, bubble up from the players themselves. So I've always thought they're almost like an underused asset even in organizations you know they should be asking their players if their analysts can research anything for the players if they have any questions that they want answered that's that's, Uh, because they have lots of questions and they're really they're really smart about baseball it's it's so hilarious to think about the players as an underutilized resource (laughs) for 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 information but so it goes i was talking about football bosses the other day football bosses um you know often want to make sure you know that they're tougher than you that there's respect (laughs) baseball bosses want to make sure you know that they're smarter than you you know it's like (laughs) um and and the best thing Maybe it's the it's the culture of failure. It's it's the fact that you know you're great three out of ten times or thirty five out of a hundred times or whatever. Players have questions and they have humility. You have to, or else you're not going to succeed. Yeah, those are the players that um, I connect with best. Honestly, are ones that have struggled. There are some players that have just you know been the best at every level and all the way up you know yeah. um and uh they're just kind of savants and uh you know just amazing at the game and they have i'm, I'm not saying they don't have anything bad i just i don't connect with them as well because they haven't uh, they haven't had those more human periods can you explain what stuff plus is for any listeners who might be late to the stuff plus party uh, it's basically an evaluation of a pitch's physical properties. So it's just uh, how good a pitch is based on its spin, velocity, movement, um, and uh, it kind of sums it all up where 100 is average. So, mm-hmm. and and you keep a running a running tally on this, and it's it's a it it feels like a great shorthand way to see who is just the most filthy. You know whether they're executing it or not. Can it, is is that incorporated into it? Is wildness incorporated into stuff plus? Ah, uh, the pitching plus includes uh, location plus, and that is uh, just an evaluation of the pitch based on where it ends up at the plate and the locations. And we we pitch it, we pitch type adjusted so that sliders have better locate you know different locations where they're supposed to be good, and, and fastballs have other ones. Uh, but it's a it's a pretty good judge of command. Um, you know, some of the things you can see, like for example, when you especially when you break it up into pitch types, is that Keegan Thompson's slider is his best pitch by stuff, um, and it's really good by movement. But he is having trouble locating it, and uh, and that's probably why it's an underutilized pitch. It's a pitch he could throw more, and some days he does throw it more, and those are the days he can. He can 
put it where he wants it to put it, and other days he can't really command it. So um, that's I think that's a little window into kind of what you can learn from this. You can learn that his curveball and cutter are good pitches, but if he could command that slider, that would take him another level forward. See, we talk a lot about Keegan Thompson and about Justin Steele and trying to figure out if these guys are rotation pieces, where they might slot. Um, do you, are you are you bullish on Thompson and Steele as as potential starters when the Cubs are good? I, I think Steele is really interesting because uh, my model says the fastball is okay. And uh, there are plenty of starters that have just okay fastballs. Um, and then it likes the slider. It doesn't really have a third pitch that it really likes. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, like Steele doesn't really throw the curveball and change very much. Um, so I don't know if he needs to maybe feature the curveball more to, to go deeper into games um, or if he's going to get a lot uh, from the four seam and sinker combination and, and make that kind of a make that his third pitch is sinker. Hmm. Um, but um, I, I, it's, it's possible we're missing something. Uh, you know, Stuff Plus is actually based on something that a, a Cubs analyst uh, wrote in 2008. He's now the director of R&D there, Jeremy Greenhouse. Um, and he wrote a piece called On, Stu- on Stuff. Hmm. Um, and he tried to quantify stuff in 2008. Wow. And so I've been following that string ever since. Justin Steele has a really interesting cut fastball. It's like a cut ride fastball. And maybe my model is, is just missing something there, and it's a really good pitch. There's something to that. It seems like the Cubs are in on cut ride fastballs like that. Hmm. Interesting. Well, their pitching development and, you know, I, I, working in tandem with the scouting department has gotten revamped massively over the last couple of years and a couple of new voices like Daniel Moscos who came over from the Yankees system, like really are, are getting listened to and it's Craig Breslow and they, they, yeah, they has a really good piece on that. And I, I think it's, I think they are starting to see the fruits of that labor. Yeah. They're, they're confident. Like, are they, is it okay? Is it fair to be confident that you can find more bullpen pitch lab creations the way that they talk about? It seems daunting. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the best markers for a good player development system is uh, your bullpen. Because uh, I think people have an idea of player development as something where you create stars. I think stars are, for the most part, almost a 50-50 proposition at the top of the draft, right? Those are the guys that have all the tools and either it works out and they're stars or it doesn't work out and maybe they're role players, right? Um, what player development actually does is on the half grade. So there's scouting grades, 20 through 80. And for a 45 uh, player is like, is, more, is like an average-ish player, an average starter, right? Um, player development gets you from a 30 to a 35 or a 40 to a 45. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a half grade proposition. And so what you think of, wh- where would this make the most sense is, you would, you would create a lot of relievers. It would be a lot easier to create relievers because relievers are maybe 40s and you turn them into 45s and they're relievers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. If, you have, if you have healthy uh, player development, you should be starting to crank out relievers. Um, and also because you're cranking out pitchers in general, and if they don't make it in the starting rotation, then they're going to be really good relievers. So uh, I, 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 I'm starting to see that a little bit. Uh, you know, I think Wick is a, is a pretty good example of, of their, you know, working on it. 
Um, but I think we're going to see more of it in the, in the next couple of years. He's Eno Saras from The Athletic joining me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Let's switch sides of town here. What has been, um, what has been educational for you or eye-opening about Dylan Cease's elevation to the absurdly consistent dominance he's been on for a while here? You know, this is a slider lead right now. My model loves sliders. And it loves doing ceases most of all. I think it's a top three type slider in the league. And it's just amazing because I remember um, John Baker with the Cubs. Um, I was hanging out um, at Cubs camp and he's like, dude, 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 you got to see this kid. And he pulled me over and he's like, it's 98 at the top of the zone, hammer curve ball, crazy change. And it was, it was doing cease. He was showing me. And uh, the reason he's so good now is because he's developed a slider he can command. And, uh, and he's, he's lights out because of that slider. And there are, there are other stories. Like Max Freed came up fastball, curveball. He's better because he has a slider now. And the slider's probably his best pitch. So there's something to this, this weird idea that guys will come up. Logan Gilbert came up, and everyone said his curveball was good. And it actually isn't good, but his slider is, you know? <laughs> Um, so there are these guys who come up through the ranks and I think in maybe in the minor leagues and in college, a big old curveball is beautiful and it impresses scouts and coaches and maybe it gets out there, but in the big leagues, a slider gets more outs than a curveball. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and Cease is now throwing the slider, what, 51, 52% of the time over the last nine starts. So you believe it. And he has 98 in his pocket, but he can command that slider. So he's using that for called strikes and then he can use the 98 as a, as a whiff pitch. Yeah. Right. And, and the fear of 98 is, uh, yeah. is, is even more valuable than the 98. Um, yeah. sometimes, um, how about Michael Kopech? We have seen him step back up now that his bottom half is healthy again. That is crazy movement on that fastball for him. That 97 mile an hour fastball. He does not have, the uh, the slider command that that Cease does does he need it to be truly dominant? Um, I don't I don't think so. Uh, what I had been seeing was a drop off in his stuff numbers over the course of the season because of his health, and so I had been worried about that. But that has uh, left back into the good territory uh, last few outings as he as he seems like he is feeling better. What he just doesn't have is command in general across all of his pitch types, and it will limit his ceiling to some extent. But um, the game has other examples of guys like him. I would say Tyler Glass now is somebody that comes to mind where just simplify it. Just throw the pitches, you know, towards the middle of the zone with tons of action, tons of movement, tons of velo, and outstuff them. Um, And, I mean, I, I wonder if he will ever be, like, truly one of the top five pitchers in the game or, or even on a, on a cease level without finding a pitch he can command better. Uh, but whether, like, he'll still be a guy that, you know, you still want to start in a postseason series and could shut the Yankees down for, for eight. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, just, it, it, it's just that game to game, you're going to have more variability because of that command. You know, um, we are living – in a town where the keys to a team, the engine right here in the middle of their winning window, have been handed to Tony Larusa. 
And it is awkward. Mm. It is it it, yeah. it it is awkward. It's been sad sometimes, been depressing, been enraging, and ultimately you throw your hands up and you uh you feel um, somewhat somewhat helpless. He loves he loves the pitcher win. He loves scrappy singles types, and he loves to try and prove points with with playing time for um for 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 guys that he feels deserve the respect. Um, so look, yeah, lots he of plays favorites for sure. Doesn't he? He does play favorites. What, what do you see when you watch when you watch him manage? I know you you saw him out there in San Francisco when the giant when they were out there against the Giants. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, one uh, that I haven't talked about so much is um, that uh, he he seems his media management seems like from another decade or or so because. Uh, you remember when he made these big, uh, he made these two big calls that like everyone is like, what are you doing? The 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 automatic walks to Jose Ramirez and Trey Turner in the middle of the at bat, right? Yep. yep. Uh, and when the Trey Turner thing happened and people were questioning him, he's like, well, do you know what Trey Turner, you know, bats with two strikes? And like, yes, every reporter now knows what Trey Turner can bat with two strikes because they can all pull up Fangraphs or Baseball Reference and figure it out in like two minutes, Tony. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and maybe browbeating reporters worked, you know, 10, 20 years ago and maybe they didn't have the same resources. Uh, maybe they would have been like, yeah, good point, Tony. You yeah, know? Yeah. But, you know, now they're like, no, dude, uh, everybody with two strikes is pretty bad. <laughs> you know? There's no way you should have walked a guy that you had two strikes on. He was he's like a 100 hitter with two strikes. So um, that was one thing that came to mind. And the other thing is, you know, especially early on when I was at Fangraphs, but in general, I try not to be a vibes reporter because, um, you know, how does it, what's the feeling in the clubhouse or you know that sort of deal. Often it's just what was your interaction with a few people. You know, like what is your personal, your subjective read on it, but. I did see one thing that that felt maybe feel the visor off a little bit, which was just that Tony was about to walk through a hitters meeting that was happening um, that he wasn't supposed to disturb and and he didn't know was happening. Oh. And uh, another man, another coach on the team had to kind of like stop him from walking through it and be like, no, 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 Tony, they're having a hitters meeting down there, you know. Oh, man. Um, and that's not a good sign, dude. That's your, that's your, that's the leader. That's the top. He doesn't know what's going on. And, uh, I, and so the vibes for me were kind of low energy. And this was before he, he like literally almost fell asleep or he was falling asleep um, during a game. So, oh, yeah. uh, the vibes for me were low energy and, um, almost figureheady where the, where the other coaches had to kind of do all the work, uh, uh, that Tony should be doing, or at least some of it that he should be doing. Yeah, it's tough. It, it, it's 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 been a oof, man. It, it, that <clears throat> that story can get added to the the mix. We've seen a few things like that where you know how it is in in, in anything, um, in any sort of group endeavor. If there's some people that wanted it a certain way and some people that wanted it another way and they didn't get their way but they're still there, then people can get mm -hmm. passive aggressive. People can communicate mm -hmm. poorly. And things slip through the cracks. Fundamentals slip through the cracks because they're just not, well, he'll take care of it. Well, he's the boss. He should take care of it. Or, like, he doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Like, all that kind of stuff. We're seeing that on, on the field um, at, at, at every, every day. Who, um, who, who's the least like that? in this in this game in terms of an organization who do you feel like from the organizations that you get to see 
communicates the best and takes care, wins in the margins better than than anybody. Oh, there's two guys. I mean, I, uh, this is another thing about vibes reporting is like I'm not in every clubhouse, you know. Right. Um, so I do have a West Coast bias because I'm out here. But two two guys that immediately come to mind are Bob Melvin, um, who is just a great communicator among men. I mean, he's he's had to deliver difficult he's difficult messages in the A's. The A's are sort of um, known for it's even in the movie in the Moneyball movie where the the front office doesn't want to really give the bad news, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so Melvin has been the bringer of bad news uh, to so many players, and they love him. So. You know, he's he's doing something right where everybody knows he's going to be stand up with you. He's going to tell you the truth um, in, in a way that gives you a, like something to work on. You know, yep. like you're we're, we need to use you in a platoon right now. I don't know. I don't know exactly how he does it, but like he's going to tell you you're going to you're falling into a platoon and you need to work on this and this and this to get back into everyday work. But for now, the best way you can help the team is in this platoon. Right. Yep. Um, and, and then, so, you know, where you stand and you know what you have to work on. So Melvin is really good at that. And the other guy, um, manages the biggest coaching staff in baseball, um, which is Gabe Kapler out here. And the thing that can happen, I think with, uh, managing a big staff is that, uh, something doesn't get done because there are like eight other coaches, you know, you thought one of those other guys was going to do it. Um, and Kapler has a, a really exact sense, and he's really he's told each of his coaches exactly what they need to do on game day. And since there's so many of them, that still leaves them time to communicate to players on their own time or like do other things. Um, but there's still every coach on his staff knows these three or four things on game day. I have to do those for our machine to like keep going. Um, so he's, he's a good, uh, leader of, uh, of the largest coaching staff in baseball. Good stuff. Um, you know, as always love the blend of the, uh, the interpersonal and, uh, <laughs> the vibes and, and the stats. Yes, baby. That's it. That's where it is. You know, that's where it is. It's where it's, it's where it's always been. So, um, I, I love, uh, love swimming in the middle of both of it with you. Thanks so much, man. Enjoy your day out there. All right, thanks for having me. All right, you got it. It's Eno Saris right there on 670 The Score, right? The vibes and the data all hanging out together. The vibes are good, good around these parts. They're about to get better. Chris Kampka will get us cam connected as we wrap it up on Hit and Run. Cubs baseball coming your way. Top of the hour on The Score. We get ourselves cam connected right here on 670 to Scar. Towards the end of Hit and Run, every damn Sunday, whether Chris Kampka likes it or not, we bring the man on to the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Chris is the Sultan of Stat for NBC Sports Chicago and a friend of the show. And here we are to talk Cubs and Sox. Good morning, sir. How are you? Um, well, how are you? I'm all right. Football started yesterday, and that always means the beginning of the end of the baseball season, and I'm raging against the dying of the light. I will not go gently into that good baseball night, Chris, and I know you won't go there with me. 
I sensed a certain sadness when you said that, and I felt it. <laughs> right? It's, it's oh, little, yeah. There's a crispness in the air. There's the blue and orange number people walking around the south side. It's like, uh, what, 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 what are you doing here? It's still baseball season. It's still baseball season, everybody. Um, but I know that you know that. What you got for us today as we think about our locals? So the, the Field of Dreams game came and gone. You were there. How would you enjoy that? It was unbelievable, man. Just just phenomenal. The long sky, the vistas everywhere. As Nico Horner said, a horse was visible from shortstop. You know, I mean, more baseball games should be played when the shortstop can see a horse, in my opinion. Well, you know what? A lot of people decided it was the time that, you know, just poo-poo on everything and you know the movie is bad and this and that oh, God. but but you took the other route and i appreciate you for it because i had that same kind of feeling watching it like this is awesome yeah uh there's no need to complain about it. anyway it was the first time the cubs played a game in iowa since before their national league days now before the national league the the cubs were in a, something called the national association um, that ran until 1875. And in 1875, one of the teams in that group, that league, was the Keokuk Westerns. And the, they, the Cubs, uh, the predecessors of the Cubs, played there on May 5th, 1875. <laughs> That's the um, last time. Wow. Yeah. And, and now, just a little history lesson. Back in 1875, the Chicago team played their games at the 23rd Street Park. And you might be familiar with where that was. You could see it from Reggie's. Wow. Um, it's 23rd and State. And um, the, the first National League Cubs in 1876 also played there. So this is how far back we're going. I mean, that Chicago National Association team missed two seasons 1872 and 1873 because the Chicago fire decimated their ballpark <laughs> and many, and many of the homes of the players. I mean, this is, this is how far back we're talking. So, so it, it, in the, uh, on the schedule to say game called colon fire, you know, just yeah. over, over and over and over and over again for two years. Just they, they finished up that season in 1871, borrowing uniforms from the opposing team. Oh my God. Um, and if we look at the, the, the players who were in that Chicago lineup back in 1875, um, leading off at Kesher was Dick Hyam. Oh. And he is known as the only umpire to be banned from the game for dishonesty, which happened later in 1882. And if you go down a few more spots, you have Jim Devlin in center field. Jim Devlin's notorious for being banned for life in the 1877 Louisville Grays game-throwing scandal. <laughs> so there are parallels between the 1919 Black Sox, which is kind of why they had the Field of Dreams and that tie-in, yes. and the 1875 Chicago White Stockings is what they were called back then. Wow, it, it, that, is, that is so much more than I ever thought I would know and frankly, a little bit more than I wanted to know. Um, but I'm really glad. I'm really glad to know it now, now also, that I'm here. Also, do you know who shared a birthday with the game? So, on who shares a birthday? August 11th, 
Joe Jackson was born. No, not the baseball player, the singer. Stepping uh, out. Uh, oh, okay. ooh, I, I, I love Joe Jackson. Look sharp, yeah. baby. Look, look sharp, baby. All right, I love that. So Cubs-Iowa connection. I didn't know there was a ballpark at 23rd and State. I will think about that next time I'm driving or biking by 23rd and State. Um, and then Friday night, Kopech was absolutely brilliant. The stuff but also the results uh, with so many innings, so few hits, and so many strikeouts. Okay, so that's five starts this season now of five innings or more and one or zero hits allowed. And that leads the majors. No one else has more than three. Wow. And, and the thing is, he's, he's the fifth guy since 1901 in the American International League to have five such starts in the season. All of them came since 2006. Uh, you may remember Carlos Rodon did it last year. Hmm. But up to 2005, only four players had had even four games of that in a season. And that's a fun list, too. Um, you have 1915, Grover Cleveland Alexander. Mm-hmm. 1988, Sid Fernandez. Wow, was he great, man. He's on those lists that, that you just wonder, how is he on that list? Did you know he's fourth all-time among pitchers with a 1,000 innings? of hits per nine innings. He's fourth behind Nolan Ryan, Sandy Kovacs, and Clayton Kershaw. That's incredible. I did not know that. I remember those Mets teams very well with Gooden and Darling and later on Frank Viola. And, Bo- and Cohn. Yep, and David Cohn at one point, Bobby Ojeda. And, but Sid Fernandez threw really hard, and go watch his delivery. He hid the it's ball. Like- he hit the ball he, exceptionally well. He was like a little chubby, a little round, and the arm did not show up until just before the release, and people couldn't pick it up. It was a bizarre throwing motion. It's like he bent down, yep. like herky-jerky, and then like slinged it sidearm. It's fun to watch, and no wonder it was hard to hit. It's a lot of deception there. Yep. Anyway, so Grover Cleveland, Alexander, Sid Fernandez, Nolan Ryan in 1990 at age 43, and then 1999, Ron Valone. What? Wow. Yeah, so those are the only four guys since 1901 that have at least four. And Michael Kopech has five this season, and there's still about, oh, eight starts left to go. He might add to it. Wow, that's that's absolutely tremendous stuff. I, uh, I had asked you for a bonus because we had Ryan Dempster on early, and, you know, I was looking at his wins, 132 wins for Ryan Dempster in his career, 87 saves for Ryan Dempster in his career. How many pitchers? since the advent of the save as an official stat, 1969, have reached those totals. There can't be many, Chris Kamka. Uh, there's five. Just that's it, five. So Dennis Eckersley and John Smoltz would probably be the first two that you might guess. Yep. Then you had Ryan Dempster. You also had Tom Flash Gordon, who's had a really nice long career. Yep. And the fifth one is Ron Reed, which is fun that he's on that list because today here at Guaranteed Rate Field, it, we have Adam Amin on the call. And and Ron Reed pitched for the White Sox in 1984. He, he had a long starter, and, you know, long mostly relief career. But he also played in the NBA. Ron Reed so, played in the NBA? Yeah, he played for the Pistons oh my God. in the 60s. So there's a little fun tie-in with that. Wow, that's crazy. It's an all-star in MLB. Those numbers we just talked about. And played in the NBA for the Pistons. That's a life, man. That's an athlete right there. Yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's uh, it's an amazing list. It's an amazing list. And uh, what Dempster did, successful starter, successful closer, with that kind of volume, is is pretty is pretty astounding. Chris, yes, go ahead. 
I absolutely mean you'd be able to have a starter mentality and be able to close. Those are two different kind of things, and to be able to be good at both of them, there's something to be said for that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Chris, you are the best. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful week. Talk to you next week and enjoy your ballgames today. All right, you too. All right, thank you very much. That's Chris Kampka right there on 670 The Score. The Cubs and the Reds coming up a little bit later on. 1240 is the first pitch. We'll get out of here in a few minutes and um, make way for pregame. Is Zach doing pregame? Because they know he's doing the game. Or is it Mike Esposito? It is Mike Esposito. Mike Esposito has your pregame, as I have at different times. Listen to Espo, do your pre and your post. Zach and Coom will have the game, as Pat is on the TV side. Later on, Lance Lynn will pitch for the White Sox down on the south side against Tyler Alexander, the lefty, for the Detroit Tigers as the Sox go for a sweep of the Detroit Tigers. And this will be the final game in the 19-game stretch for the White Sox in which they play teams with a record under 500. They are 10-8 and eight so far with one more game to go, that being today. And then the Astros come to town. Astros come to town and... One of those games, one of those Astros and White Sox games, I believe on Tuesday is going to feature Justin Verlander versus Dylan Cease. And those are your two front runners for the Cy Young Award in the American League. That should be fun. What do we got to do to get Dylan Cease to win that Cy Young, man? Um, you need something terrible to happen to Verlander. Yeah, he's been pretty darn good. He's huh? He's been absolutely outrageous, and there's the pedigree, and there's the Astros being what they are, and there's the comeback. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of soft factors that are just going to make some people write down Verlander. Uh, but if Cease keeps going, keeps doing what he's doing, he's up there with Bob Gibson. He's up there with the Congress, man. I mean, he's, he's up there with uh, with some people who – you know, very, very few have had exceptional runs like he has had right now. So if he keeps doing that, should be good. You got the Phillies and the Mets are the good one this afternoon. Zach Wheeler of the Phillies, 11-5 with a two six three ERA against the horse for the Mets. Chris Bassett, everybody that they put out there is a pretty damn good starting pitcher. And the Brewers and the Cardinals, now within a half game of each other in the National League Central. Cardinals looked like they were going to seize control of the division, but the Brewers have charged back a little bit. It is uh, uh, Alan Ashby, Andy Ashby's son, the lefty against Miles Michaelis, who got absolutely torched his last time out. Oh, one other thing. Um, I'm glad that Jonathan India is doing okay. Scary thing the other night is I'm leaving the Field of Dreams game. Me and my wife and child looked up. We saw a helicopter leaving. And we're like, who's leaving in the helicopter? What's that? Thought maybe it was a Ricketts or the Reds owners, like making the quick getaway uh, with the copter. But no, it was Jonathan India, the Reds' second baseman, who got hit by a pitch. Drew Smiley hit Jonathan India with a pitch on his shin, and it was painful. He limped to first base, and then he came out of the game in the fourth inning. And while he was being examined there by team physicians, paramedics and concerned teammates were crowding around, and the doctor was concerned that India had something called compartment syndrome, a medical emergency where blood flow to the muscles and the nerves is limited. 
It requires immediate treatment. The doctor said to Jonathan India, you could lose your calf muscle if you don't go to the hospital. So they ruled out him flying back to Cincinnati with the club. Instead, he was airlifted right there in a helicopter to a hospital in Iowa City. Jonathan India said, quote, in a helicopter, first time ever. It's kind of cool. <laughs> we flew over the field of dreams. It was sick. It was still lit up. They actually were making jokes. You're the best person we've ever had on this helicopter. It was cool. It was a 45-minute little helicopter ride. Good attitude there, Jonathan India. I'm glad you enjoy the helicopter ride. And now we have the uh, the the mystery solved. I want to thank my guest today on the show, Chris Kamka, Eno Saris from The Athletic, and Ryan Dempster. Thank you to Sean Sears for a great job producing. I'll be back tomorrow with Danny Parkins, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday. Cubs baseball coming up next. Have a wonderful Sunday, everybody. Thanks for listening to Hit and Run. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.